Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Am I alive? That's a... Let's do this this morning. I'm, I'm going to just start by reading the Word, because then it'll be easier to set this up. We started a series, Intersections. That place that all of us come, if you drove a car this morning, you had to go through some intersections. Um, I understand, saw it on the news, and heard some of you talking about it, that yesterday you were going in a certain direction, but because of some unexpected accidents, that shut down 64, you got to go a different direction. You had to go left or had to go right. Um, there's decisions that are made at intersections. There are times that you stop. There are times that you go. There are times that you move slow. And I've seen some of you drive. There are times that you speed up. <clears throat> But intersections in life, and what we're looking at the rest of John, is that any time a life intersected Jesus Christ, it was changed. Changed or challenged. So I want to look at that this morning because I'm going to pick up where we left off last week, and then I'll set that up. But starting starting at verse 12 of John chapter 8. And I don't have all these scriptures on the PowerPoint, Donovan, so don't uh, look for them. They won't be there. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me me, will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And the Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from. And I know where I'm going, but you do not know where you are going. I come from and where I am going, you know not. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. And yet, if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. There's just so much here. I'm not going to get to this part of it, but I've got to say this. Can you imagine the kind of conversation somebody's having when they're standing and talking to Jesus, denouncing who he is, but he's saying, no, I've got a witness, and the other one is the Father. God. Okay. I just, I thought, I I enjoyed that. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I'm the one who bears witness of myself, And the father who sent me bears witness of me. Then he said to him, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me or my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid a hand on him, for his hour had not yet come. And then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Wherever I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from beneath, and I am from above. You are of this world, and I'm not of this world. Therefore, I say to you, you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And then they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I've been trying to say to you from the beginning. I have many things to say to you, to judge concern you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. And they did not understand this, so they spoke to him of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, when you will lift up the Son of Man, and you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on myself, but my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. 
And as he spoke these words, many believed. Father, I pray that in these next few moments that your word would come alive in the lives of people. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord John starts off by telling us that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And Lord Jesus, we know that you became flesh. Father, I pray today that, that you just be lifted up and glorified. Change us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Intersection, light or darkness? It's a real simple decision. Left or right? Stop or go? What does it look like? Um, last week we talked about the passage right, right before this, the last verse of chapter 7 and the verse uh, 11 of chapter 8. <clears throat> And again, I mentioned this last week, a lot of manuscripts, all manuscripts, this verse was added, this passage, part of the passage was added, and we talked about that briefly last week, but I'm setting this up like this because uh, when we look at the rest of this passage, it sort of, it goes hand in hand with chapter 7. Not that the passage that we talked about last week is unbiblical, it certainly matches everything Jesus would have done and has done, even, even those that were against him. It matches everything they've always done. Darkness has always been darkness, and light has always been light. So the reason I bring that up is I, if we could go back, we're not going to read the whole passage, but if you go back to John chapter 7, before we come into that wonderful story of, of forgiveness when Jesus tells those around this young woman, anyone who was without sin cast the first stone. So before you get to that passage, there's a wonderful story talking about Jesus going to the temple. It was the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. This is where the children of God would come together for a week-long celebration, celebrating and, and remembering how God brought them through the wandering wilderness journey, how God rescued them. And they would live in, live in a little tents and branches and they would make different sacrifices, and every day to the temple, they would bring water and pour out water, and every day to, to celebrate these different things, to remind them of how God delivers them. And in the last part of chapter 7, before they get to this uh, passage here, it says, Jesus stands up on the last day of the great feast. And he says, if anybody is thirsty, now this is the part of the feast where they're literally walking up with jugs and jars of water up the long procession to dump them on the altars, to dump them out at the temple, representing if you're thirsty, God provides like you've never believed he could provide. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And it's while they're celebrating that that Jesus just stands up. If anybody's thirsty, I have water. And you, you'll never thirst again. And in you, you will have rivers of water. And this he was speaking of the Holy Spirit that had not yet come. Now, just imagine yourself at, at this powerful celebration. It's the last day, so it's culminating. They're all meeting up at the temple. And now Jesus stands up and having everyone's attention... You know, Jesus did not have a microphone, folks. That means Jesus could get loud. You know, I know we always picture Jesus softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling. No, Jesus could make noise. So he stands up and, and loudly, with a loud voice, proclaims this. Well, he's got everybody's attention. Now, if you're just reading the word as it is, and this is absolutely fine, but there's this little break in the action because now we are led to this story about the adulterous woman, the forgiveness of Jesus. But again, all manuscripts, it's biblical, very biblical, but all manuscripts don't include this because that story is just briefly interrupted. Because without that story there, I want you to get this in your mind, that's why the passage says, so Jesus said to them again, 
Jesus spoke to them again. Chapter 8, verse 12. It goes straight from him standing up making this proclamation that I've got water. You think this water will give you, uh, will quench your thirst? No. There's water that's coming that will quench your thirst. But then he says in verse 12, he says again, I am the light of the world. If any man follows me, he will not walk in darkness, but have the life of light. What does that mean for us? What does that mean when we talk about this? Well, first of all, when he says, I'm the light of the world, they knew exactly what he was talking about. They knew what he was talking about. Where was he making the statement? Because uh, we know that they have gotten to the place now where they're up in the temple. <clears throat> we know that by this time, everyone's gathering. It's the last day of the great feast. So what's happening here? The Bible in verse 20 just told us a moment ago that the words that Jesus was speaking, he spoke from and in the treasury. So now what, what does that mean? What does that have to do for us this morning? Um, he's in the temple. A treasury did exist. He's in the temple. And the temple uh, was this massive, this courtyard was a massive courtyard called the women's court or court of women. There was a, the court of the Gentiles, which is outside this court. Everybody was allowed there. The court of women were where Jews, male and female, and anyone who were converting, who had gone through conversion to Judaism, could go in this women's court. And then from the women's court, there was another court, sorry ladies, that only men could go. And then the next court was the Holy of Holies or the priest court. Now why do I say this? Because it's in the court where everyone, Jewish believers, everyone who believed that the way they were celebrating was the way to God, he now stands up and says, I am the light of the world. Making sense so far? I am the light of the world. Now, why is that a big deal here? Well, first of all, he's got all their attention, and you have to imagine, this was not a small place. I mean, there's thousands, even tens of thousands of people in this one court at one time. Very large area. And he says to them, I am the light of the world. When he says this, they knew exactly what he was talking about. In this court, there were at least 13 places to give. Boy, that sounds like church, doesn't it? There were at least 13 places to give, and they were large vessels that had almost like a trumpet-like shape at the top, and you could drop a coin in, and it would just like make its way down. I've not seen those recently, but I know they've existed where you put your quarter in, and you can feel like you're giving a lot for 30 seconds. Because it just keeps making noise the whole way it's going down. I don't know if that's why they did it. I believe it's because they just wanted to be able to get money from as many directions as possible. We call that uh, giving online now, by the way. You can be anywhere and give. Praise the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. <clears throat> there were 13 areas in that people came to give. So this was not only a place where people were gathering. It's a place where people were worshiping with their giving. Now, why is that important? Because their giving is what they bought sacrifices with. Their giving is what they bought and purchased their freedom, if you will, with. Whether it was pigeons for women eating purification, or whether it's for other utensils, or whether it's for keeping, there were up to six to seven pots that were just used for general funds, just taking care of the place. Now, that specifically has not got a lot to do with the statement of Jesus. As much as it does, in our minds, there's a lot of things that we think are important about the kingdom that really aren't important at all. And see, this was also known as a time of illumination. Because also in this court of women, there were uh, candelabras everywhere that they would light these candles representing the, the cloud by day and the fire by night. When the children were going through the wander, uh, wilderness, 
God would lead them, and they would follow the light. So when Jesus made the statement, I am the light of the world, everything they celebrated was put, because number one, a good Jew knew what I am meant. They knew exactly what I am was stating. And then if you knew the prophets, they also knew for Jesus to be proclaiming, oddly, that he's got water that no one will thirst again. And now he's calling himself light. Well, I am the light of the world, he says, whoever follows him. He's wrapping up all the messianic uh, proclamations all at one time. He's wrapping everything up at one time, and they get it. Believe me, they understand. He didn't say, I am a light. He said, I am the light. Many teachers said that they were the light of the community, or they were uh, the light of uh, a group of students trying to help them find their way. Jesus doesn't say, I'm sort of a light, or I'm one of the lights. He said, I am the light. Now, we need to get our minds around this a little bit, because I need you to understand that Jesus, even though his time had still not yet come, he was letting them know pretty boldly, I am the light of the world. I am the way. You'll see throughout John, this is his second I am statement. Just a few weeks ago, we talked about I am the bread from heaven. Amen? So, and I've got a lot of stuff here. I'm going to get in trouble if I'm not careful. You have the prophets from Isaiah 42, 49, 50, and 53 who tell, who tell us that the light will come. Behold, my slave whom I uphold, my chosen one, and whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. Thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offering, who gives breath to the people and on its spirit, who walk in it. I am the Lord. He's speaking now too the Messiah. I have called you righteousness, and I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you, and I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light, as a light to the world, as a light to the nations, to open blinded eyes, to bring out prisoners from dungeons and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. I am the Lord, that is my name. He says that the servant of Jehovah, the Messiah, will be the light of the world. And he repeats this several times throughout Isaiah. So this is something they would be very familiar with. And Jesus, you know, we like to think sometimes that Jesus is just going around healing people, trying to prove that he's the Messiah. No, he is blatantly standing straight up in front of religious leaders and saying, I, at the temple on the day, last day of the great feast, I am the light of the world. Get this in your mind for just a second. <clears throat> What would happen if Jesus showed up at the next political event? You know, choose your side. I don't care. I do care. You better choose your side. And I'm not talking about Republican or Democrat. Because, see, I believe that if Jesus... See, I know some of you want, you want so bad for Jesus to show up and vote your color. I know it's got to be in the Bible somewhere. I know he's got to be a Democrat. I know Jesus has to be a Republican. No, you know who Jesus is? I am. I, if that rubs you wrong, get a tissue. Some people just want, you want God to fit into your theology. And you, you get all bent out of shape when God doesn't fit into your theology. And see, the, the challenge there is we want, we want the light of the world to be our political agenda. And I'm not talking about politics this morning. It just fits too well. We, we want God to fit into our desires. We want God to fit into our origins of belief. That's why the first thing they ask him is, who's your father? And what they were saying is, if you're going to have this kind of authority, it originates somewhere. And our authority always originates from our father. Now, this get dicey. As a young man, I learned pretty quick. I, I've mentioned this before. Whenever I would go out somewhere and I got old enough, I started going somewhere <clears throat> by myself. My dad would lovingly pull me aside and say, uh, wherever you're going, 
don't you forget you're a McLeod. And I always thought, are we in trouble? You know, why do I have to, don't forget you're a McLeod. What he was really saying is don't ever forget what you're representing. There's a name on the line here. Don't you, now does that mean we can mess up God? No, you'll never mess up God. You need God to clean up your mess. So this isn't about a political party. This isn't about a political agenda. Yes, we pray for our leaders. We pray for our nation. But just what do you think would happen if Jesus showed up at the next political event and said, I am the way. I am the light. What do you think would happen? I'm just throwing that out there for a minute. What do you think would happen if Jesus showed up at a lot of churches? And stood up and said, I am the way, I am the light. If anybody here would follow after me, you will have life. Now, what is that, what is that saying? I think we're just like those leaders he's talking to sometimes. We have the capacity to make up our own ways. We have the capacity to to lean back. Do you ever know anybody? I know, I know no one here struggles with this. <clears throat> but have, do you know somebody who they get in trouble, they know how to run to Jesus. But as soon as the coast is clear, they're back to their old ways. And, and maybe that's not, you know, we even, we even come to the point where well, that's just how God created me. That's why we have a word called transformation in the Bible too. Because <laughs> we're all born broken folks. We're all born fallen. So, so what is Jesus saying here? When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, these leaders know that what he's saying is, I'm the Messiah. These leaders know that he's boldly standing up in the temple, and he's saying, I'm the one all the prophets have been talking about. I'm the one that's going to save people from their sins. I'm the one that's going to shine the light. Because what does the light do in the world around us? It shines. Light, light brings everything into an obvious scenario. Well, Pastor, why is everything so confused? Because we're living in the dark. We have a tendency. See, have you, have you ever known somebody else? Again, we have a lot of people that we know, I know. <laughs> do you also know someone, they have the great propensity to be able to be living in darkness and call it light. They're living because they convince themselves. I know we don't do this, but they convince themselves that what they're doing is okay. And they've convinced themselves, the Bible tells us we can do this, that we can make the dark and call it day. We can convince ourselves that what's going on in our lives is normal. We can convince ourselves that what's happening in our families is normal. We can convince ourselves that what's happening in our nation is normal. That what happens in our world, and listen, I, do, I fully believe that there's nothing that the, world that, that the world does should surprise us. I mean, when you see blatant sin broadcast on the media, we should never go, oh, how is this happening? They're lost. The world is lost. I don't expect the world to act holy. It's when we look to the religious community. I, I don't even know if I like saying that. It's when we look to the religious community and we wonder why the world doesn't even appreciate us. Because they look at us and sometimes if we're not careful, we're even calling the darkness light. Because we dare not offend them. We don't want to offend them. We don't want to make anybody upset. We all just want to, we want to do everything in love. Listen, the kind of love Jesus brings took him to the cross. Am I rambling yet? The kind, of love, the kind of love Jesus brings took him to an old rugged cross, and it was painful. Now, I'm not talking about browbeating the world, the world with the Bible. What I am saying is, what do you think would happen in our world right now if Jesus stood up and said, I am the light of the world, right here, follow me, you'll have life. 
I think the same thing would happen as happened then. They mocked him. They still mock him. They question his authority. Who do you think you are? Who's your father? <clears throat> Even though they knew the prophets and what the prophets were saying, they had the truth right in front of them, and they refused to believe. They knew the Messiah was coming to be the light of the world. They had seen the miracles. They had already plotted to try to kill him anyway, but just couldn't get it done. The light, of course, is a metaphor. Seven of them are used throughout John. But Jesus is saying, I'm the light. Of all the falsehood in your life, I bring truth. Of all the brokenness in your life, I am the light for wholeness. Of all the ignorance in your life, I'm the light of wisdom. Of all the impurity in your life, I'm the light of holiness. Of all the sorrow, I'm the light of joy. And yes, even death. See, we, we really look at life, and we talked about this a little bit last week. We look at life sometimes that when you give your life to Jesus, there's no more pain and no more suffering and no more tears. There are scriptures like that, but they're in Revelation after we are with the Lamb. So when we all get to heaven, there's going to be no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. But until we get to heaven, now listen, I'm not, I'm not hoping for pain. <laughs> this um, last several weeks, <clears throat> my wife, who is a incredibly, she's got a work ethic that's powerful. So if she decides, you know, we're going to redo the whole yard. I just put my foot down and I said, there's no way we're redoing the whole yard. So the last couple of weeks, as we've been redoing the whole yard, <laughs> um, there's just been days that I'm out there. I'll come over to the church for a little while, and now that the days are getting longer, I can just get home and, and have a few hours of light, and I'm just out there working like, this is really stupid. This is, this is not, who, who even cares? It was dead. Let's just get rid of it. And if it's not dead, Lord, how can I kill it? I'm just, I'm trying to. And she looks over, and we've got a huge bush in the yard, and she doesn't want to just get rid of it. She wants to move it to another part of the yard. Now, here's my point. I think I'm suffering. And that's not the suffering Jesus is talking about. As a matter of fact, that's one of those things that Jesus was standing here right now. Move a bush, man. A grain of mustard seed can get a mountain move, John. I believe you can move a bush. Now, here, here's my point. I want you to understand, I don't wish suffering on anyone. I don't wish brokenness on anyone. I don't wish pain on anyone. But the reason we get stuck in our brokenness is we stop listening to the I am. The reason we sort of get stuck in our suffering is we're living after the things that we think bring hope, not following after Christ. We're, we're li living after the things that we hope will be the answer. We're, we're, we're living after Robin Hood apps. Now listen, I want you to be blessed. Pay your tithes. I want you to have a lot of money. But listen, it, it's all got to be wrapped up in obedience to Jesus Christ. That's really what this sermon's about this morning. Will you follow him? That, that's, will you simply follow him? Listen, the greatest question that comes up is, is why. Why now does he say this? He starts by saying, if anybody is thirsty, then he wraps it up in this passage by saying, I am the light of the world. Here's the reason, because without him, we're all in darkness. Without him, we're all in darkness. Oh, but pastor, I really work hard at following him. You're in darkness. I really work hard at behavior modification. Good, you're in darkness. But I pray three times a day. You're praying in the dark. Because that is not what saves you. You see, we know how to walk in darkness. The way of the wicked is darkness, the scripture says. The foolish heart is darkened. We are darkened in our understanding and excluded from the life of God. Scripture talks about that frequently. We believe a lie. 
in our damned. Now, why am I trying to encourage you with that this morning? It's not, it's not embracing the fact that you're in darkness. Once you embrace that, you'll appreciate the light a lot more. See, nobody thinks they have to be found until they know that they're lost. You don't care about being in the dark as, as long as you think that's normal. And see, now we have a world that thinks a lot of crazy things. But listen, I'm saying this with great gentleness. It's not the world I'm concerned about. I expect the world to be messed up. I expect the world to be wrestling with gender issues. I expect the world to be wrestling with the covenant of marriage and it not being godly, but just marry whoever you want, however you want, whenever you want. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried about what they're doing at all What concerns me more than anything is that are we as the church following the light? Are we as a church really trusting in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Because there really is a decision that has to be made between light and darkness. Jesus clearly says, whoever walks in the light will be free, will be saved, will have life. And the Jews knowing that he was saying this, knowing what the illumination meant, knowing that what Jesus was saying was he was the light of the world, here's what he was saying. Because Moses, when he was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness, when the cloud by day and the fire by night moved, guess what you better do? You better move. If the clouds started moving that way, you you just knew. If you wanted to continue to live, move that way. Why? Because that was the provision. That's where the manna came. That's where the quail came. That's where the water from a rock was coming. Now, if you wanted to do your own thing, knock yourself out, but don't blame it on God. If you want to do your own thing and you want to try, well, I'm, I, I believe I can get there quicker. There was a reason God didn't take them quicker anyway. I probably just crucified the English language. I'm not sure. There's a reason God didn't take them straight into the promised land. As a matter of fact, I think it's hilarious that they're celebrating this feast anyway because they're celebrating something that that millions of people had to die because of disobedience. Instead of obeying God and following into the promised land, they believed their own deception. They believed and did not have faith, and God said, okay, Everybody's going to have to die, and only this group will enter in. So the feast they were even celebrating was celebrating how that God can protect us to finally get in. All we have to do is follow him. Now, this is not salvation based on works, but this is, here's your Savior, follow him. Because Jesus wasn't saying, you know, they they illuminated the candles during the feast so everybody could stand back and remember. Everybody could stand back and admire. Everybody could stand back and have a little tear come down their cheek because they just remember how tough it must have been. But see, Jesus wasn't saying admire me. Jesus wasn't saying stand back and get a little emotional. No, he said follow me. Follow the light. Don't don't stay in the darkness. You you want to stay in the darkness? Don't follow the light. You'll stay in the darkness. Can I just say this? I think the reason a lot of us, us, me, us, get so uh, sideways sometimes, and we just stomp our feet spiritually, wondering where God is, and why God's not blessing what I'm doing, and why God's not blessing where I am, and the whole time God's saying, I'm over here, John. I've been moving this way. You've been praying for me that way, but that's not where I'm going, buddy. I don't know if God talks like that, okay? Am I making sense? I think we're, a lot of us sometimes are asking God to bless things, and we're not following. I wonder what it would be like, though, if we were following. 
I wonder what it would be like if, if we were... What does it look like to follow? What does it look like to be a follower? What does it look like? Here's a few examples. Um, when Jesus says, I know the way out of darkness, just follow him. One step at a time. Ulyssa, I think, is upstairs this morning. Um, she and our, our team of Reach are working with a powerful ministry, local ministry here in the area. And he's been here and shared before. But Mercy Drops Dream Center. I love his testimony. Because when he first really gave his life back to the Lord years ago, he said, okay, Lord, I'm gonna, what do you want me to do? You mean to be a preacher? What do you want me to do? And he said, the Holy Spirit just spoke into his spirit and says, just listen to what I say every day. Okay, Lord. <clears throat> now, his wife thought he was nuts. Okay? Because she was like, I think the Lord's saying get a job. So he said, I would get up, and I'd go out, start looking for a job. And he said, the Lord would say, go help that lady over there trying to cross the street. And we all know when we've tried to help people who don't want help, right? I mean, if nobody's asking for help, they don't want your help. But what he found out pretty quickly is that he just obediently stepped out, and these people in different ways needed help. And what he found out was that people are hurting, even in nice neighborhoods, people are hurting. Even in affluent neighborhoods, people are hurting. People are in need. And now he's operating, I don't even know how much food he gives out every month. I don't know how many things he's involved in. And we're just partnering with him because he comes in and partners with churches. Now, I say that not just because it gives us a way to be out there ministering to people. It's a powerful observation that when you look at someone who just says, yes, Lord, I'm following you today, when your Holy Spirit speaks to me, I'm going to go there. That's powerful. Because we get wrapped up in our own feelings, we get wrapped up in our agendas, and if the Lord did speak to us, we'd question it. Well, mm, maybe I, you know, I heard the pastor say one time, don't pick something up if you don't lay something down. Don't get so busy you can't serve well. Well, that's true. That's a, that's a powerful truth. But you better make sure you picked up the cross somewhere. Because Jesus does say, does say, take up my cross. Pick up a cross and follow me. <clears throat> Has a, just full transparency here. Anybody feel like we've started moving into legalism all of a sudden? I see those hands. I see, I see those hands in your heart. See, because some people think this is legalism when you start talking like this. They start saying, man, you got to follow Jesus. Oh, man, that's... What do you mean, read this? Well, yeah. Yeah, there's a part of that. That's, that would be a good idea. And I, I'm, I know I'm being really sarcastic here, but you would be shocked if I told you how many students I have in different classes who I, I, I think it's just a challenge. They, they want to see if they can get through the whole class without reading a book. I'll even send them emails. Have you read the book? Well, I was doing research, and I got it from other areas. Sound familiar? Have you read the book? Well, I've been doing some research, and I found some stuff for some other areas that I've been using for my life assignment. You just call the darkness light and don't know it. So we have to, we have to become followers. Not, it's not about legalism. It's not about, oh, you're not following Jesus, you're going to hell. It's, it's you can literally not be following Jesus and be miserable in your life and, and feel weak and broke down but if you only knew that when you're with Jesus, even going through the same scenario, you go through with victory. You go through with an abundance mindset, not a poverty mindset. You go through and, well, uh, you know, as soon as I stop comparing myself to other people, I just can't believe how much peace I have now. It's because you stop comparing yourself to other people. When you're following Jesus, your eyes are on him, not other people. Am I making any sense? So, so following Jesus can look like a lot of things for us. It's like a student following the teacher or, or being a follower of Christ, someone following a, a wise counselor. We've got many of you in here, several of you, that are involved in, in finances. 
And when people come to you to invest their finances, they want your wisdom because they know that when they've invested before and lost everything, they don't want to trust that anymore. They want to trust somebody who's got a track record. So when Jesus says, follow me, he's got a track record. And when we start following him, one of the things, I'm going to wrap this up in just a minute. You're, you're going to think this is a miracle today. Because see, when Jesus is the light and we understand what he is saying and we follow what he was saying, there's something that Jesus says about us in Matthew chapter 5. You are the light. You become light. Don't hide it under a bushel. What's he saying? That you can hide under a bushel and still think you're light. Don't hide it under a bushel. Put it out there. Even as boldly, now you don't have to go to the next big meeting somewhere and stand up and scream, Jesus is the light of the world, and he says, I am too. No, it could get you arrested, and you would just be a light in prison. But what would it look like if I lived my life as a follower of Christ? What does Jesus say about that in Matthew chapter 5? You're salt. You preserve. You spice things up. But that when you're the light, you're a place that will draw people. Because what, what does light do? It reveals, it warns, the light of a fire may warm, but I look at it for two different ways, and we're going to close. <clears throat> and I, I jumped over a lot of stuff, but believe me, we're staying in this, we'll be in chapter 8 this next week too. Because Jesus makes some strong statements. Oh, where I'm going, you're not going to make it. You're going you're gonna to die in your sins. Why? Because they don't want to believe. There's a big difference in believing because of ignorance or not believing because of ignorance. Because in many, many cases, we can fix ignorance. Educate. Intellectually, you just sit down and have conversations with people. And when they understand, yes. But see, when, you're already, when you already know, they knew all about the prophecies. But they would not believe. When you know all about Jesus, but you don't follow him, that's a dangerous place. When you know all about the Messiah, when you know all about Jesus, but following him is not a priority. It's a dangerous place. That's how we get hidden under a bushel. That's how our, our, we think our light is shining, but nobody can see us. We think that the church is shining, but we're, we're hidden. What should, that, what should the light be doing? It should be drawing people. But it also should be like a lighthouse. I wonder what it would be like if, if I knew somebody was really going down a bad road and I could get to them just in time, just before their ship hit the rocks. I wonder what it would be like. I, believe me, uh, the last three or four weeks are filled with if, if I only knew. If I could have been there a day earlier, if I could have just gotten there, well, I'm not saying we should beat ourselves up with guilt. What I am saying is don't be surprised when you start intentionally following after Christ, living in the light, following after him, he starts using you as light. He'll draw people to you. He'll draw people to you that you didn't see coming. And don't be mad when they show up. Okay, I am rambling now, but I, we are going to pray. See, some of you are praying for a ministry. <clears throat> Lord, use me. Lord, use me. And it, for some reason, it's only got a stage in your mind. And God brings people to you, and you're like, man, they are wasting my time. Because you think that you're only used here. And God's bringing you to have a conversation with somebody at work. And your light, he's using you and they're being drawn to you. Don't, what would happen if you just said, let's listen.
Tell me your story. What's going on? But then also be bold enough to say, well, Jesus is the way. Well, I was just looking for somebody to agree with me. Sorry. Jesus is the light. Well, I can't believe you call yourself a Christian. Yep. And we've also got to be bold enough to follow him every day. That means making decisions that won't be popular. That means, that means men especially being willing to say you're sorry. And maybe some ladies, but it's usually the ladies we're saying, I'm sorry too. I know how that rolls. So it's men, let, let, down, let down that pride, let down that bitterness. That was really the issue we're talking about here, the real, religious leaders. Pride, arrogance. There's no way he's the Messiah. They didn't even know where he came from. They were trying to decide, was it Galilee? Was it, they didn't know. If we're not careful, we'll say we disagree with something we've not even studied. If you're going to disagree with Jesus, at least read the book. If you're going to say God's not in it, at least read, read the book. If you're, say, if you're going to say, I just don't believe that, that's why I, I don't want to go there this morning. But whenever I hear somebody say, I'm an atheist, I said, well, how did you come to that? Conclusion, have you ever read the Bible? No. Um, for thousands and thousands of years, theologians, church fathers, millions of people have laboriously studied the Word of God and proclaimed that it stands. But somebody who's never read it is going to say, it, 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 God's not real. Church let me down, whatever. You know what? Lovingly tell them, Jesus is making some pretty strong statements. You might want to study that a little bit. Jesus is making some pretty strong statements. And it's not, listen, don't get wrapped up leaving here today thinking about this as legalism. Just simply ask yourself the question, and we're going to pray. Let's all stand. A couple of questions. Are you living in the darkness? Are you living in the light? Are you following after yourself? Are you following after Jesus? I'm not even going to sit here and try to name off if that's sin or not. I believe the Holy Spirit can work on us a little bit better than I can. Because if you understand there's a possibility of things in your life, and you have felt already the conviction of the Holy Spirit this morning, and you already know, man, I keep, I keep calling that okay, and it's not. I keep calling that darkness light, and it's not. So are you living in the light or the darkness? But <clears throat> after you've answered that question, one more. What does your life need to look like for it to be light? At home, at work, here at the church. You know, we're moving in some openings now with the COVID is, is, you know, I hope everybody gets vaccines, and if you do get the right one, obviously there's a confusion on which one that is. I think I got the wrong one. I'm not sure. <laughs> Nothing seems to be wrong. So I'm just praying, God, how, how does our church, what does light look like? What does light look like in the 21st century? Having church on Sunday? Yeah. But what does life look like when the church goes to work on Monday? What does life look like when all hell breaks loose in somebody's life and you can reach out to them? What does life look like? Some of us here are know and, and some of you are very close to some people who just have walked through some tragedy this last two weeks. Some of you in this last year walked through some very difficult times and God's brought you through. I mean, I, I hate singling anybody out, but I look at Mike. A, a year, over a year ago, he was battling cancer. And before we moved into COVID, had his last few cancer treatments. And every time I talked on the phone with him, I was hearing about lost hair and whatever. And he looks pretty good. <laughs> he, um, he's put on weight when he was supposed to have lost weight. You know? So I know 
it was suffering. Because Mike has told me, he wouldn't wish that on anybody. I can't even imagine what you went through. But can I tell you, he's with you every step of the way. And somebody needs to hear that story. Somebody needs, see, you have stories. That's why God uses you as light where you are. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, let your people hear you this morning. You very gently and lovingly remind us you are the Messiah. You are the light. You are the one that gives direction. You are the one that gives hope. You are the one that protects. You are our strength. And Lord, forgive us for putting our trust in anything else. There are so many times, Lord, where we do, we put our trust in things, our people, our our circumstances. And Lord, it even feels right for a while until we've convinced ourselves that dark is light, that right is wrong, that evil is good. Lord, we lay our lives before you right now. Lord, your light, let your light expose to us today, Father, those things which need to change, those things that need to be surrendered, those things in our lives, Father, that that you are trying to do a work that no man can do. We surrender it right now. But Lord, I also pray that you just continue to speak to us and we walk it out as we follow you obediently. As we just simply obey that our lives would be a light that would shine around this world and that would draw people to you. And when that people see us, they will glorify you when they see our good works. Now, Father, we pray for that. Lord, as we leave this place, I I just pray that you bless us. I pray that you strengthen us. Lord, even as we dismiss in a moment, if there are those who desire prayer, Lord, we want to pray with them. We want to see lives be changed because you can change lives. Now, we ask this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. God bless you. Uh, if, If you do need prayer, we're here. But those who need to go, we love you. Bless you. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.